it's been pretty popular. Uh, it's uh, supposed to have been really good movie, but I have not seen it. But we have seen the title being used uh, in the media and everywhere about the good, the bad, and ugly, and uh, people doesn't really know what that means. They can guess what it means, you know. But uh, it's uh, something that we can relate to. There are two characters in that movie. One is somewhat godly, and the other one is fallen angel. Now, so what that doesn't, it's not a Christian uh, uh, movie, but it's, uh, it's very, there's some similarity as to uh, the, the faith in, in, in a Christ. Clint Easton Wood, his uh, blondie, he plays the good guy. And then there's fallen angel. Uh, there's no name. That it, they don't give a name because they're supposed to represent the good and the evil. And the fallen angel is just fallen angel. It's his name. But the third guy has a specific name. And his name is Tuko, symbolizing that all mankind living in original sin And because of the original sin, this Tuko is the ugly guy. Now, on today's message, as we continue with the growing in grace, I'm going to try to see if I can address this in our daily lives. But one thing for sure is good things happen to us. One, God is with us. We have a Christ with us. And bad things happens to us because of Satan. And that Satan's goal is very simple, is to turn the bad to ugly. That's their goal. Our God's goal is to bring us back, to save us. Satan's goal is just the opposite. But the focus, the point of today's message is that if we are in grace, we can turn the bad into blessing, not to ugly. So focus on that. So we're going to continue our series, but those who have not been with us for some time, um, in terms of the, the topics that we have discussed and we're talking about the growing in grace, it's really about how we could, what are some of the attributes? Well, before I do that, most of us have grown up in, say, the, the Christian community and church saying that, hey, I got saved. Salvation, I'm done. I reached my goal. I can get to heaven. But if you look at the Bible, that's not what it ends. When you are saved, that's the beginning of life in, in Christ. So in doing the uh, series Growing in Grace, uh, last week, Luke Agri uh, talked about how we can grow in truth, which is the Word of God. And that this, the process of growing, is called sanctification. And also, we, two weeks before that, we talked about in order for us to grow, we need to do something, Right? can't do nothing. We can't do absolutely nothing. We've got to do something. So most of us, because we're grown, you know, growing up, we were, 
whenever we think about doing something, we always think about physical things, maybe cleaning things or climbing up something. But what Bible teaches us, as we discuss, is that just don't do the things that God commanded us not to do. As an example, God says, don't be angry. How many people get angry? I got angry last night. How about rage, malice, slander, and filthy language, and not to lie to each other? These are the things God detests the most. Sometimes if you ever wonder why your life isn't going well, just reflect on yourself, how am I doing in this department? Before you blame on something else. Now, uh, three say the weeks before, then there are things that uh, we need to... uh, the. do, well, not do, that was what I'm sorry, the, what I was saying was, it was not doing, not do the, uh, uh, ang- be, be an anger or rage and malice, but there are things that God says, do something, and doing is not just physical doing, but doing is dwelling in God, just being in His presence, just, just focus on Him, just receive Him, and being dwelling in God is also uh, doing something. We also said that we, are, we can grow in grace when we fall, when we make huge mistakes, when we mess up. And if we go before God fervently in prayer, and God promises this, though we stumble, we will not fall, for the Lord upholds us with his hand. We can also grow in grace as we live our purpose with verb, engage, be active, not simply using a noun to describe your purpose, because our Christ, Jesus, he described his ministry, his life with verbs saying, I came here. I came to you, not to be simply a king of kings or, or, or savior. I came here to serve you and to save you. And that's exactly what he did. And when he did all that, we called him, God called him, okay, now you deserve to be called the Savior and the King of the Kings. Sometimes we live just the opposite. We try to be somebody without really using verb to demonstrate the love of God. And in the beginning of this uh, growing series, we just said we need to grow in grace, as we discussed earlier. That we need to be sanctified. We need to grow. We need to purify. So Second Peter is the theme scripture for this growing series. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Second Peter 3.18. But grow in grace. Grow in grace. That's the command by God to you. You need to grow. You need to be mature. So before we can talk about how we can turn the good, the bad, and ugly to the good, the bad, and blessing. We need to really understand the core, the essence of God's message to us. Today, beginning today, we're going to eliminate the ugly part of in our lives. We have to acknowledge there are good, God, there is bad, the Satan is always going to be there. The Satan's goal is to turn everything, the challenge we face, into ugly. 
But we're not going to let Satan win. We're going to turn it into the blessing. So what uh, the core, what is the essence of God's message? Well, let's suppose you take all these attributes of growing grace, you know, dwelling in God, not doing the things that God told us not to do, sanctified, being purified. You, do, you put it in a take a pot and put it all in there as if you're going to make a really wonderful, nice, tasty stew. What would you get when you put it all in there? When you mix them up, what would you get? Well, I was thinking, like, if you dwell, dwelling is like when you're cooking, it's like simmering, you know? It just takes time to simmer. It's like being dwelling in there, you know? And don't throw in the things that does not going to taste too good, like too much salt or something like that. It's just going to not taste so good, right? So when you put all these attributes of how to grow in, 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 uh, in grace, what do you get at the end? What tastes good? Colossians 5.14 says, The entire law is there to fulfill one command. That's your cheat cheat sheet. What is this entire thing? It's, 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 it's funneled down to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you have heard me say this just about every message. Which means you got to take this very seriously. Not because I said so, because it's so amazing. Look at how the, the, the sentence is structured. It doesn't say just go and love your neighbor as yourself. It says everything. Everything. All the laws are there to fulfill one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. This, to me, is amazing, the Word of God. In other words, if you take all this and squeeze it, like you squeeze whatever you do and cook it, squeeze it and extract it, and you're just, and whatever comes down at the bottom is going to be one command. Several hundred commands in there is down to one command is to love your neighbor. Well, you may say, well, pastor, you know, can we go on? Can we talk about something else? We always talk about love your neighbor as yourself, which is to sacrifice. We get that. Let's keep on something. Let me tell you something. If you're ever thinking like that, let me correct you. Every Christian sermon must include about Jesus, Right? If we don't include Jesus, then it is not a Christian sermon. You are not going to tell me, don't talk about Jesus anymore, right? Every Christian sermon must include the word grace. Without grace, it's not a Christian sermon. You are not going to tell me not to talk about grace. I know that. Every Christian sermon must have the love of God. That's what makes Christian sermon. And I know you're not going to tell me not to talk about the love of God in every message. Every Christian sermon must include the sacrifice of Jesus. If not, then it's not a Christian sermon. What the scripture is saying is this. 
You take Jesus, you take grace, you take love of God, you take the sacrifice of Jesus, and you put it all in powder, squeeze it. When you bring it down at the bottom, it's everything is summed up to love your neighbor as yourself. This is in the Bible, not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, seven, eight, nine times. It's a serious business for God. So let's take a loving on neighbors as yourself very seriously. Do not say that you're tired of hearing about this. That's like telling God, I am tired of hearing Jesus. I'm tired about hearing word, grace, love, and sacrifice of Christ. We are challenged. We are commended to do this. Not being a Christian does not mean simply acknowledging and believing in Christ. And I think I know why people want to love others, but they don't do. Everybody here is in agreement that want to love others, but we don't do. Why? There's a reason why we don't do. Because we have had many bad experiences, more bad experiences than good ones. And sometimes the bad experiences turn into ugly. So we do everything in our power to avoid it. I don't want to help that person. It could turn into something bad and ugly. I've experienced, believe me, that's what we do to justify in our heads. However, when you are in Christ, we must know this, we must believe this, that God will turn what may turn into ugly into blessing and grace. Three things happen to Jesus. One, good things happen to God, Jesus. Second, bad things happen to him. Did he have ugly things that happened to him? One could say, well, that he was tortured, ridiculed, so therefore that there was ugly part. But this is what really happened. Three really things, real things. The good things was that he was sent to us with a purpose to save us, to serve us, and to call us his children. That's the good thing. The bad thing was really simple. He got killed. The good thing that he did and the bad thing that happened to him brought about what? Grace. Instead of what would have been ugly, it became grace. That's what we've been talking about. So at the end of the day, nothing ugly happened to Jesus. The bad thing, which was the cross, 
was the pathway to the grace. Isn't that right? Nod your heads. Work with me. So when we love people, we too face three things. Sometimes good things happen. Sometimes bad things happen. But often not, ugly things do happen to our lives that impacts us. But when we are in Christ, when we dwell in Him, and when we trust in His Word, instead of the good, the bad, and the ugly that we might experience, God will turn the good into the good, the bad, and blessing so that we can grow in grace. I have a real example about some 10, 12 years ago. I was trying to grow my firm. And I had to get another architectural license, another state, so I can company can grow. Years before we hired an architect, he was laid off, and one of my clients kind of recommended him to me, saying he might be okay. So we hired him. He was cordial, friendly, was a good architect. Yet there was something about him. So one day when I was driving with him to a project site, to the DC area, we got to talking. So I asked him about, when I'm traveling with my emperors, I talk about life. I don't talk about that much about sports. I just talk about how you're doing. So what's going on? What's, uh, tell me about your life. I want to hear about your background. So he tells me about you know, his background. And in the conversation, just came out that he says, he has trouble trusting people. Ah. So we continue. He says, why do you think that's the case? It was really simple. He says, he had a really bad relationship with his father. He doesn't trust his father. So therefore, he doesn't trust anybody. In any event, I'm a nice guy. And he continued to serve the firm well as an architect. So I promoted him to serve as one of our board members of our company. So one day when I now needed this license in another state, and in order for me to get a license, I can't just get it. I have to get a recommendation from people around me. I, could, I have a lot of architecture friends that I can ask. But I went to him because we spent did a lot of life together. I went to him and said, and I'm applying for an architecture license. I need two recommendations. Can you be one of them? I usually don't ask my employees. I ask outside clients. And uh, I just felt that I need to do that. And it did. A couple months later, I received a letter from the uh, state license board rejecting me. And I couldn't believe. There's no way my application would have been rejected. And, you know, it's very difficult to try to find out the reasons behind it. So I've asked my company lawyer to look into it. Why is it the state rejected me? So when I went before the hearing, they said, well, 
in the paper, you qualify totally. So what's the problem? Well, this guy, do you know this guy? He says, yes, I do know this guy. You worked with him many, many years. I suppose he knows you more than we know you, right? Because we never met you before. This is the, the board of the licensing. Well, yeah. But you know, this guy said, you do not qualify. In a scale of technical ability, one to 10, you are zero. Character, scale of one to 10, you are one. We cannot approve this. So I was rejected. I was shocked, flabbergasted, felt strong sense of a betrayal. So then I asked companies, HR department lawyer to find out what's going on. And they have a way of figuring out, and they found out that he admitted that he did that for job security. In other words, if I don't get the license in that particular state, he felt that he will not be replaceable. The company would always, always need him. So there will be job security. I cared for him. I taught him. I promoted him to supervisor position and invited to serve as company's board member. Then he betrays me. Bad things happen. I was extremely hurt, telling myself, I'm not going to do this anymore. Why should I go and help people and get burned like this? and get hurt. That's when I realized what happened was not that bad and was not ugly. What I realized is that God actually saved my firm. You see, I was thinking about promoting him to be one of the principal of our company. That means he becomes one of our partners. Partners have a lot more say. We need to agree upon in order to do something. Had this bad thing did not happen, I would have definitely made him the principal of our company. And who knows, once he becomes a partner, the greater damage that could have on our firm. That was blessing, not ugly. And our other principal said, thank God the bad thing happened to save the company in the future. That blessing is the promise of God when you stick with it. So don't be shrewd with helping people. And know that when bad things happen, it will be followed by blessings. Being betrayed by a friend or trusted friend is worst feeling. I know most of you have experienced it. 
the emotional pain can be so great that it may impact physical well-being, losing sleep, losing weight, losing confidence, sometimes losing faith. So how do we handle when we are faced with the bad things and you feel that it's going to go into being ugly? God says to be still. Take the mind off from it and focus on Jesus. If you keep thinking about it, it's going to be very easy to be angry. That which God says not to do. Give it up to God. Believe that all troubles and challenging things we face, God will use for his purpose. Provided that you did it. The one and only command the Bible has taught us to love your neighbor as yourself. That's a sacrifice. And cry out to God. Pray for the betrayer. Pray for those who hurt you. Forgive them. And I don't know who said this, but it's really beautiful saying. Forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. Forgiveness prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. Life will betray you, but God will never do that. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says bad things will happen. Psalm 41.9, even my close friends, whom I trusted, he who shared my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Job 19.19, all my intimate friends detest me, those I love have turned against me. Job 19. Nineteen, people whom you trusted turned against you. I heard so many stories from you people talking about those things. Then simply cry out to God. Psalm 27.10, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Psalm 55 Verse 16 through 17. But I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Every morning and noon I cry out in distress, and he will hear my voice. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Do not be afraid to help those who are at need. Bad things may happen, but God will turn into blessing. Just to share, Jesus felt the same pain. Worse, Peter denied him three times. Three times! The most trusted disciple, one of the most trusted disciples, denies him three times, right at his face, basically. Judas, the traitor, betrays him, ultimately causing him to 
die on the cross. But as you know, the rest of the story, it was meant to be turning what could have been ugly into grace. Yeah? Even face the actual physical pain of going through that supplication at the cross. Use betrayal as opportunity to become more like Christ and grow in grace. First Peter second, uh, chapter 2, 23 says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. When in Christ, he can turn the ugly to grace. Matthew 5.10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of, of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before us. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Betrayal comes from our neighbors, yes. From, not from God. And don't let, don't let that stop you from loving them sacrificially. It's God's way of turning the bad not too ugly, but the blessing of grace. Matthew 7 12, once again, another scripture says the exact same thing. So, in everything, this is everything, do to others what you would have them to do to you. You have heard this so many times. But look at the second phrase. For this sums up the entire law and the prophets. Wow. I cannot emphasize more on this. Everything here is about this. And here's the final secret sauce that we need to know. Do you know the secret behind a winning strategy in anything that you do? Whether it's a relationship whether it's business, look at athletes. What do they do? What do athletes do? They do the same thing over and over and over again. They run, no matter whether they're playing ping pong or they're runner or they're football player or volleyball players or swimmer, it doesn't matter. Or they run, they do the repetitive work, Every day, over and over again, without ceasing. What do business people do? They do the same thing over and over and over again. It sounds like really boring, but that's what they do over and over again. If it doesn't work that well, they don't give up and go into something else. They try to improve it, and they continue to do over and over again. 
successful business, successful relationship, they successful church, they do same thing over and over again. Apple, they do one thing over and over again, is that is to think different. Every day, are you guys thinking different so we can have a new products? Thinking different out of out of the something that nobody have thought about. Nike just their attitude. They do over and over saying, just do it. Don't complain, just do it. Coca-Cola, they do over and over in creating one, the real thing. They do not give up what they do. If it doesn't work, they do not give up. They make it better. You try to help somebody, it doesn't work, do not give up. Keep doing it over and over and over again. Jesus showed us doing one thing well. He did the same thing over and over again. That was to love his neighbor, that's us, by serving and by saving us. That's all he did, all his ministry, to save us, to serve us. He did that over and over again. He didn't do anything new. If the, when the Pantheas tried to distract him, he didn't come up with a new strategy. Really simple, over and over again. And if you believe in the Word of God, and this is the path in making what would be ugly, to blessing the grace. Growing in grace is being able to turn what could turn into ugly into blessings so that we may all grow in grace. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we're so grateful. We can discuss about this. We can talk about this. We can preach about this. We can commit about this. Because your son, Jesus, he came as a good delight, and he faced the bad. But he did not, your son did not allow it to go into ugly. He turned the bad into the grace. Let that be our example so that we 